Welcome to the Assembly of Yahweh Sermon Podcast. We're so glad you're here. For more information, you can visit hallelujah.org or download the AOI app on Apple or Google Play. 1 John chapter 1, I want to share with you a message this morning entitled, Your Alignment with Yahweh. Your Alignment with Yahweh. 1 John chapter 1, we'll begin in verse 5. And this is the message which we have heard from him and declared to you that Yahweh is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, then we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Yeshua Messiah his son cleanses us from all sin. And if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And if we say that we have not sinned, then we make him a liar and his word is not in us. My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Yeshua, Messiah, the righteous, and he himself is a propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. And now, by this, we know that we know him, if we keep his commandments. And he who says, I love him, and does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of Yahweh is perfected in him. By this, we know that we are in him. And he who says he abides in him ought also to walk just as he walked. Brethren, I write no new commandment to you, but an old commandment, which you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you heard from the the beginning. Again, a new commandment I do write to you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. And he who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. And he who loves his brother abides in the light, and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Heavenly Father, today we thank you for this time. We thank you for your word. We thank you for this Sabbath day that you've given. And I pray that now in these few minutes, uh, Father, that you might help us, that we would open our hearts today to the truth of your word, and help us that we would not only be hearers of your word, but that we would go out of this place being doers, and so bless this time for your glory, we pray in Yeshua's name, amen. Some years ago, about five years ago, I woke up one morning and I had some pain in my shoulder, and I thought I slept wrong. I don't sleep wrong very much, by the way. Uh, And it didn't go away, and it started as kind of a weird tingling feeling, and some weeks passed, and it got worse. And uh, So over the course of about a year, this minor inconvenience in my left arm became so bad that I couldn't sleep at night. You know, I was just screaming in pain, literally. And I would go from my arm being numb to what felt like my, the bone in my arm was on fire. I mean, it was terrible pain. And I, so 
I went to a doctor who said I had a problem with my shoulder and I went through physical therapy and I had all sorts of drugs and all kinds of things that I did. Nothing helped. It just continued to get worse. Finally, after 12 or so weeks of physical therapy, the insurance company decided to send me for an MRI and they took an MRI and they found out that I had four herniated discs in my neck. And so that had caused a misalignment of the bones in my neck. So the pain wasn't necessarily in my neck. It affected other areas of my body. I did have surgery, had two of those discs replaced. I still need to have two more done, but I can't tell you what a great improvement it was for me. This is what I learned. I learned that the alignment of my bones had a lot to do with the health of my body. Whether or not you believe in chiropractic care, let me tell you this, how your bones and joints are aligned has a definite effect on the overall health of your body. That's true. And I'm going to tell you this about our spiritual life. Our alignment with Yahweh has much to say about our spiritual life. You cannot be healthy in your spiritual life without being aligned with Yahweh in the proper areas. John here shares some of them, and I want to share them with you this morning. Not all, but some of the things. Listen, there are some things that are so fundamental to us as believers that we have to look at. And we have to believe the way Yahweh believes. There's no room for error. We can't agree to disagree on these things. We have to be perfectly aligned. Does that make sense with everybody here this morning? So what are some of those things? Well, I'll tell you this, that to be spiritually aligned with Yahweh, first we have to be aligned with our character. Aligned in our character. Brother Keith gave, gave a great message last week, and boy, I appreciate it so much. He talked about honor. Do you remember? He talked about character and honor and how, you know, in, in the fact that we are indeed called to be different people, aren't we? And the things that we do in our life have an effect on not only us, but on the people around us. And if we profess to be a believer this morning, listen, we first have to be people of character. Anybody agree with that? Say amen. We have to be people of character. Verse 5 says, This is the message we've heard and we declare to you that Yahweh is light and in Him is no darkness. And if we say we have fellowship with Him and we walk in darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, then we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Yeshua Messiah, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. Those three verses, the goal of those three verses is uh, fellowship. That's what the goal is, communion. It's a state of harmony. It's a common bond. And so the goal then would be fellowship with, with Yahweh. And, and as I read those, I think that these are character traits that he's talking about. Character traits given in terms of light and dark. Two things, by the way, that cannot exist together, light and dark. I know that because there's a great light that just came on in my face. Did anybody see that? It was dark and now it's light. <laughs> Some seemingly opposite things can be present at the same time. Salt and pepper can be present at the same time. My favorite, sweet and sour, can be present at the same time. But light and dark cannot. Um, 
There's a scientific explanation, by the way, for that. Do you know that darkness is not really a thing? It's not really a thing. And I looked it up, by the way, before I stood up here before you and said that. Uh, light can be explained. Light is a visible wavelength that we can see with our eyes. Darkness is this. It's simply the absence of light. Dark and light cannot exist together, you see. Verse 5 says that Yahweh is light and in him is no darkness at all. It speaks of his character. Listen, Yahweh is perfect. He's perfect in his character. He's perfectly holy. He's perfectly righteous. He's perfectly flawless. Deuteronomy chapter 32 says, Ascribe greatness to Yahweh. He is the rock. His work is perfect for all his ways are just. Righteous and upright is he. Yahweh is perfectly righteous in all that he do that he does. So we have a standard, do we agree? Our standard should be like Yahweh, we should strive to be perfectly holy and perfectly righteous and perfectly flawless in all that we do. Because while the standard is way up here, the challenge is for us, because my Bible says that we're to be holy as he is holy. Isn't that what it says? That we're to be holy as, as he is holy. And so we agree on that. We agree that, that we have a standard and we agree that we have a challenge. Here's the problem. The problem is when we, what we say with our mouth and what we do in our life don't line up. You see, what we say and what we do when those things don't match. Look at verse 6. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, then we lie and do not practice the truth. Walk, that means our lifestyle. So if we say we have fellowship with Yahweh and we go out and do things that are unlike his character, then, then uh, this says that, that we lie and we do not practice truth. You see how many times just in those verses I read to you, by the way, that he says we lie? You know, you might fool yourself and you might fool your neighbors and you might fool your husband or wife, but you're not going to fool Yahweh, okay? You know, I think one of the biggest stumbling blocks for so many non-believers in the world today is the hypocrisy that they see in believers around them. You agree? It's hypocrisy. I, and, and, you know, as a pastor, I remember inviting people to church, and I've had people who tell me, I'm not going to go there. That place is full of what? Hypocrites. That place is full of hypocrites because they know what we say, and they know that what we do doesn't match up to that. That's, by the way, the very thing that Yeshua railed describes in the Pharisees over and over and over about. Matthew chapter 23, we studied in our Bible study last week. Brother Keith spoke about it last week, exactly the same thing. One of the gentlemen in the Bible study this morning said, I thought it was great that Keith spoke about the same thing that we studied in our Bible study. And I said, wouldn't it be something if that came up again today? Matthew chapter 23. Uh, Yeshua said, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. Therefore observe what they tell you. Uh, observe what they, what, to observe that, that and do, but do not do according to their works, for they say and they do not do. They say and they do not do. 13. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, he says. Verse 14, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, 
He says, 15, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites. Verse 23, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites. 25, uh, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites. Do you get it? Over and over and over and over and over. Do you think that he had a message in that? Do you think that that was pleasing to him? No, it certainly wasn't. Then I wonder why you think it's okay for you to do or why I might think it's okay for me to do. Listen to me this morning with both your ears for just a minute and hear this. If I don't hear, say anything else that you hear today, hear this. What you say and what you fail to model in your life is of absolutely no eternal consequence to you. You hear me? What you say and fail to model is just a waste of breath. If anything, it's detrimental to the kingdom. It's detrimental to the kingdom. And, uh, you know, many people say uh, all sorts of things that are not going to benefit them. As a matter of fact, if you don't believe it, Matthew... Chapter 7 talks about that. Yeshua said, many will come to me in that day, saying, Master, Master, have we not done all these great things in your name? And cast out demons. Boy, we've been busy. And he'll say to them on that day, depart from me, for I never knew you. And I said that's the scariest verses in the Bible. And what's so scary to me about it is not, it's, it's not he says, I never knew you. In other words, not I don't know you now, but in all those days of you professing my name and thinking you're working and doing all this stuff, he said, in all that time I never knew who you were. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness, he said. See, our character is important because Yahweh's character is important and we're a reflection of him because he's our heavenly father. Your children are a reflection of you and what they do and how they act. And just in the same way that we are of our Heavenly Father. Remember, the goal is fellowship. Light and dark don't mix. Verse 7, however, says, But if we walk in the light as He is in the light. That's a great big little word that begins that, and I'm glad it's in the Bible so many times. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. He said, if our lifestyle models holiness, righteous purity, and all of those things, if you and I would go out in this world and be men and women of character and of honor, then first of all, our fellowship together would be strong, but not only that, our fellowship with Yahweh would be strong. And let me remind you this morning, people are watching you, and they hear what, they say, what you say, and they certainly see what you do. Don't be a stumbling block. Don't be a stumbling block. Let's be aligned with Yahweh in character. Uh, secondly, we need to be aligned with Yahweh on the issue of sin. On the issue of sin. Verse 8 says, if we, have no, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth's not in us. But if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Sin. Some of you probably blowing up and huffing and puffing right now saying, here's this cat talking about sin again. I think he did that last time he got up here. Uh, to you, I'd say this. Um, I wish I didn't have to talk about it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I wish there was some other subject that we could talk about. 
Here's the reason you hear me talk about it, because it's all in the Bible. And if you have a problem with it, you don't have a problem with me. I'm just reading you what the book says. Your problem with, is with a much higher authority. But here's what I know. Listen, I know that we have to be aligned with Yahweh on the issue of sin. Uh, if we don't, we're lost. What is sin, you might ask? Well, funny you should ask, and you're very close to what I think is the best definition for sin in the Bible. Turn about one page probably in your Bible. 1 John chapter 3, verse 4 says, Whoever commits sin commits lawlessness because sin is lawlessness. So sin is transgression against the law of Yahweh. Isn't that simple? What he says to do and what we do don't necessarily align. It's missing the mark, some say. And you might say, well, I get pretty close sometimes. Well, that's great in horseshoes and hand grenades. Not really great where sin's concerned. I'll tell you a story I've shared a few times. It's been some time since I shared it. Any deer hunters out here? Two people hunt deer in this whole room. <laughs> well, I like to hunt them. I don't really care about killing them, but I do like to hunt them. Let me tell you a story about the biggest deer I ever missed. Everybody want to tell you a story about the big, biggest deer I ever killed. I'm not that concerned about that. Biggest one I ever missed was a big one. And I straight flat missed him from about 20 yards with a 270. Flat out missed him. I was way high in the tree. We hunted tree stands back in the mountains of South Carolina. And he was coming down a ridge and he stopped about 20, maybe 20 yards from my tree stand. Wide open, nothing between me and him. And he was coming straight away to me. And everybody knows that's the worst shot. He wouldn't turn broadside. And I pulled a real close bead right between his chest and squeezed the trigger, and he jumped about five foot in the air, looked like, and tore the woods down and gone. Missed him. Clean miss. I went down there where he was standing, and laying on the ground was a little tuft of white hair that I'm sure came from right here in his chest. It looked like you just snatched it out of him. There wasn't no blood. I didn't hit him. What I hit was a hair just enough to burn the hair off his chest. That's funny, ain't it? Let me ask you a serious question. Does it, you know, I was two inches away from the biggest deer of my life. Does it really matter how close I came? Does it matter? I mean, if I'd have missed him by two inches or I'd have missed him by two foot, it wouldn't have mattered. The truth is this, I missed the mark. Here's the issue of sin in our life. Listen to me, beloved. We need to get aligned with Yahweh on the issue of sin because here's the bottom line. No matter how close you get, if you miss, you miss. You see? Good enough is not good enough. Does that make sense? Boy, and I know that's hard to hear. Okay? Uh, Yahweh's standard and our actions, and they don't always line up. Okay? Being aligned on sin. Verse 8 tells us, by the way, that, that sin's a common problem. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth's not in us. You might think you're all right. Can I tell you today with all the love in my heart, you're wrong. Sin's a common problem. It's common for you, it's common for me, it's common for the elders of this church, for the pastor of this assembly. You hear me? Listen, it's not something that, that, that is going to skip you and roll on to somebody else. My Bible says all have sinned. All have sinned. You know, so, 
But here's what I'll tell you. While sin may be present in your life, it doesn't have to reign in your life. Here's where people get confused. Read Romans chapter 6, and we bounce off of that in our Bible study this morning. And it says that very thing. You don't have to let sin reign in your body. You know, because what you let reign in your body is master over you. Does that make sense? Sin. It's present in your life. It's present in mine. It's, it's a common problem. And it has, thank goodness, praise Yahweh, sin has a common solution. You ready? You know, I said we've got to be lined up. and We've got to think the way he thinks. If it's common and we all have it, then there's a common solution that's in verse 9. If we confess our sins, here you go. If we confess our sins, it says he's faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Common problem with a common solution. I read that, by the way, and here's what I'm tempted to think when I read that verse. If we would confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive. I'm tempted to read that and think this. I'm tempted to think it really can't be that easy. It can't be that simple, surely. You know, there's more to it than just that. You know, I, if we confess or agree, and I shared, I think, the last time I was here, this confession of sin to Yahweh is not telling him your dirty little secret. This confession is you agreeing with him that it's wrong. You see, if we confess or agree our sins to Yahweh, no small print in there. And that's what I was shocked about. You ever see the small print on medicine? You know, I mean, you got Visine eye drops for dusty allergy eyes. And if you read all the small print, you're going to find out that stuff can cause everything from bleeding gums to tendonitis in somebody if they take it. Isn't it amazing? I mean, the small print is crazy. It's much, probably the symptoms it could cause are worse than the disease you're trying to cure. Some of the medicine, you get a credit card in the mail this week, and it's going to give you low introductory APR. Read the small print. And you're going to find out that that's not going to last very long. Go buy a car, any kind of legal contract, anything you do. There's always small print, isn't there? Can I tell you there's no small print here? If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We confess... He's faithful to forgive. By the way, he's faithful to forgive because he said he would. Because he said he would. We confess he's faithful to forgive. We confess he's just to forgive. He's just to forgive for this reason. Because he's the perfect and righteous judge. He's sovereign in all areas of our life. It's his he chooses to forgive. And he's just in doing that. And some of you might say, well, that doesn't really seem fair because there's some people that just, you know, some people's sin's way bigger than mine. And you may think that. 
you might think it's not fair. Can I tell you this? You wouldn't necessarily be wrong in assuming that Yahweh's not fair in this area. Before you run me out on a rail, turn to Psalm 103, and I'll tell you why I think that. I can tell you today that he's not fair, and I'm thankful that he's not. He's more than fair, and he's just. Psalm 103 says this, verse 8, Yahweh is merciful and gracious and slow to anger and abounding in mercy, and he will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. Here's the part where I tell you he's not necessarily fair. He's not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquity. Somebody ought to say hallelujah. He's not fair in his dealings with us. He's more than fair. This is a perfect definition of grace, is it not? He hadn't dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy towards those that fear him. And as far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. Boy, I'm thankful. Hallelujah indeed for that. Listen, sin's a common problem in your life and in mine, and there's a common solution for it. There's no fine print. There's no, uh, none of that. It's so very simple, and yet so many people miss it. We're saved from the penalty of our sin by Yahweh's grace. What I just read to you from Psalm 103. And I know about grace. I can tell you a lot about grace because I've experienced it in my life. And, and grace is Yahweh giving us what we don't deserve. For the penalty of my sin is death. It's what my Bible says. But the gift of Yahweh is eternal life. You see, when I should have had one, I got the other. Right? That's grace. This I know about Yahweh's grace. I know that on my worst day ever, and, and I have bad days sometimes, I'm not necessarily wicked and evil. Although, maybe, you know. No, I'm not. <laughs> Got quiet, didn't it? But there's sometimes I have a bad day. On the worst day I ever had in my life, I was wicked and evil. That I can tell you for sure. I didn't always used to be what I am today. And this is what I know. I know that on my worst day ever, that I was never too far away from the reach of Yahweh's grace. And I know that on a day like today, when I get cleaned up and I stand here, you know, and I've got my Bible and I think I'm doing something, I know that on a day like this that I'm never too close from the need of His grace. Does that make sense? Boy, I can tell you about grace because I've seen it and I've experienced it. Our salvation is by Yahweh's grace and our faith and nothing else. That's what the Bible teaches us. No buts, no ands, no small print. You see, 
people want to think that they have some part to do in their salvation. You have no part whatsoever to do in it except to believe. You see, where your salvation is concerned, you brought nothing to the table except the sin that made it required. You know, that's the only thing that you brought to the table, the sin that made it necessary, if you will. Your salvation cost you nothing, but it was far from free. Back up to verse 7. I know somebody thought I was going to skip this part of this verse. I was just saving it. I think that the end of this verse 7 goes with the, the, in context with verse 8 and following. Salvation costs you nothing, but it's far from free. Because he says here, the blood of Yeshua, of Yeshua Messiah's son cleanses us from all our sin. Somebody had to pay for your wickedness. And you couldn't do it. Yeshua Messiah paid. First Peter, back up four pages in your Bible. Don't you like how I give you a number of pages? First Peter 1, verse 18 says, Knowing that you are not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold, or from your aimless conduct received by the tradition from your fathers. You didn't have enough money. There's not enough. It's not what you did, he said, that redeemed us. But listen, but with the precious blood of Messiah, as of a lamb, without blemish and without spot. Hebrews, somewhere around chapter 9, it says that he offered himself for us as a lamb without spot. You know, we're going to be celebrating Passover here in just a few weeks and talk about how the death angel passed over the nation of Israel and that they were to mark the doorpost with blood. That was the sign can I tell you, we have a Passover lamb marked with blood in your life and in mine, if you know him, and I pray that you do. Your salvation costs you nothing, but it's not free. Offered as a lamb without spot. This blood of Yeshua Messiah that John talked about, his son cleanses us from all sin. Sin, common problem, common solution. Common failure, by the way, in our life. Chapter 2, verse 1. My little children, these things I write to you that you might not sin. But if anyone does sin, and we have an advocate with the Father, Yeshua Messiah, the righteous. We bounced off of that again this morning as well in our Bible study. Sinless perfection sounds like a great goal, but it's not possible in this life. When he talks about writing these things that you might not sin, uh, he's talking uh, specifically about a lifestyle of sin, a lifestyle that you continue uh, to choose to live every day. You get up and make a conscious decision to live a lifestyle that's contrary to the commandments of Yahweh. Does that make sense? He said, but if anyone does, the truth is we're all going to stumble into it at some point in time. And I, 
I've said jokingly, but it's really true. I've never murdered anybody, but according to Yeshua's teachings, I killed quite a few just driving to Abilene. He said if you get mad enough at somebody, he said you just as well to have murdered them. And if you drive too close behind me, you know, it just get, makes me, gets me all bent out of shape. You know, so sin is something that's present in all of our life, and we need to be diligent to shun certainly sin of, of every kind, but it's in our nature and it's in our world, and it will certainly raise its ugly head in your life or in mine. If you don't think so, take heed to these words. The Bible says, Therefore let him who thinks he stand take heed unless he fall. Because when you think you're above it, that's when it'll get you. It's against a teaching against the lifestyle of, of sin. So we have to be aligned in, in character and aligned on the issue of sin to be right with Yahweh. And then thirdly, we have to be aligned in the issue of obedience. Issue of obedience. Uh, verse 3, chapter 2, verse 3. Now this we know that we know him if we, if we keep his commandments. He who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth's not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of Yahweh is perfected in him. And by this we know that we are in him. We have to be aligned in obedience. And, you know, here's another drum that you just continue to beat because it continues to show up in Scripture. You can't read very much of Scripture without coming to this conclusion Yahweh expects us to obey, doesn't he? He expects us to do what he says to do. This, you know, has a new meaning for many of us, this issue of obedience. Because here's the bottom line, and, and, and I guess here's where the rubber meets the road. If Yahweh expects us to be obedient to what he says. Then here's the question. To what part of the book that's in your lap does he expect us to be obedient to? To what part? The beginning, the middle, the end? The first two thirds? The last one third? What? Dave, Dave said it. He expects us to be obedient to all of it. To all of it. We meet here on Sabbath day for this reason. Because that's when he said we're to meet. I mean, it's that simple to me. You know, that was the issue that I just couldn't get past. I'm going to be honest. You know, I, I, I read that and it was like a light came on. You know, we're supposed to be meeting and worshiping on Sabbath. Not on the, on the day that's convenient for you. Not on the day that you want to. Not on the day somebody says you should. But on the day that he said you should. You see how simple that is? Your kids ever ask you, you ever tell your kids to do something and they ask you that same stupid question? Kids always ask, why? Same question you ask your mom and daddy, why? What's your standard answer? Because I said so. <laughs> I mean, if not, you're not a parent I've ever been around. Why? Because I said so. That should be good enough for them. That's what you think, right? Then should it not be good enough for us? Why? 
Because he said so. All right? The issue of obedience. Now, by this we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. And he who says, I know him and doesn't keep his commandments, here this is again, is a liar and the truth is not in him. Why do we meet on Sabbath? Because he said so. Why will we observe the Passover? Because he said so. Why do we keep the feast? Because he said so. Why do we do the things that we do? Because he said so. We had a very deeply theological discussion in my mother's kitchen when the last time we went to South Carolina. Uh, one of my family members was talking about, I don't remember what they were talking about, they were, but whatever it was, they were talking about eating pork. Talking about eating pork. And I said, I don't eat pork. They wanted to know why, and this is what I told them. I said, because that's what the Bible says. Isn't that simple enough? I mean, how deeply theological can that be? This is why. Because he said not to. Right? Obedience. We have to be lined up on the issue of obedience. And, and you know, for so many, that's a stumbling block. Because, and here's why, because they really don't want to. I mean, that's the bottom line. They really don't want to. And, and I, I've said before, I know what the Bible says, but I really don't want to do it. Can I tell you, obedience is your choice. And, and, and the only part of this book that has any effect on your life or your eternity is the part that you choose to obey. Okay? We, we have to be aligned on obedience and by this we know him if we keep his commandments. Finally, this alignment with Yahweh. We have to be aligned in our character and, and, and on the issue of sin, and we have to be aligned on the issue of obedience. And lastly, we have to, there has to be we have to be aligned with him on the issue of love. The issue of love. Chapter two, verse seven. Brethren, I write to you no new commandment but an old commandment which you have heard from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you heard. And again, a new commandment I do write to you, that which is true in him and in you because the darkness is passing away and the true light's already shining. He who says he's in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. And he who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause for stumbling in him. One of the most important and easily recognizable, by the way, characteristics of a believer's life is in his love for the brethren. In his love for the brethren. John says that this whole book of First John, by the way, many people call this the love book. If you great book to read, you know, if you're feeling kind of unloved and depressed, boy, you can run through here and 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 you'll find all sorts of Messages on love, chapter 3, verse 11, says the same thing he just said. This is the message that we heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Chapter 4, verse 20 says, If someone says, I love Yahweh and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he, for he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love Yahweh whom he has not? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves Yahweh must love his brother also. 
John was kind of like James in his simplicity of writing, wasn't he? You know, Paul's hard to understand sometimes, some of the things that he says, but what John says is pretty simple, and what he says here to me is, is pretty simple, that we should love one another. Love's not a new message. He told them that. This is not a new commandment, but an old commandment which you heard from the beginning. The commandment is the word which you heard from the beginning. Love's not new. It's been around for as long as mankind's been. By the way, it's not even a new message for us today. We've heard it. We've seen it our whole life. Yeshua said the greatest commandment is to to love Yahweh your Elohim with all your heart and all your soul and with all your mind and to love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments, he said, depends the whole law and the prophets. This issue of love. In other words, if we would only... If we could do these two things, we wouldn't need any further instruction. Listen, if we could love Yahweh the way we ought, and if we could love one another the way we ought, we wouldn't need any other commandments, would we? We wouldn't need anything else. Because everything that we did would come out of love, and the right kind of love. We wouldn't need anything else. Love, this agape love that he's talking about here. It's the kind of love that benefits another person, you see. Uh, not a new commandment, but I think a new principle applied. Because in verse 8, he's, after just having said, this is not a new commandment, he says again, a new commandment I write, this thing which is true in him and in you. A new principle, I think, based on... Yeshua's example while he walked the earth. Remember, John walked with him and he saw him. He heard him. You know. He saw with his eyes and touched with his hands that thing that we can only imagine. Yeshua Messiah walking the earth, teaching and preaching. You see. And Yeshua had a way of elevating truth, didn't he? He kind of took things from uh, from the letter of the law to the intent of the law as my brother Rick told me once you know and that's really stuck with me and all the gospels I think you'll hear recorded Brother Walker read it this morning I read it to you today I asked what's the greatest commandment and Yeshua said we'd love Yahweh our Elohim with all our heart and we'd love our neighbor as ourself but in Luke chapter 10 after having said that Somebody asked this question and they said, Who's my neighbor? Who's my neighbor? Here's where Yeshua elevates the truth. You see, it's easy to love people who are like us, isn't it? We gather in assembly and we say, We love people. But here's what a little exercise I want you to do. I want you to take a look to your left. Go ahead. And I want you to take a look to your right. You know what? This is what I bet. I just about bet you in the chairs around you are the people you love. You see, we do love people, but we love our people more. You, you know, you, you hear me? Who's my neighbor? And Yeshua told the story of the Good Samaritan. These people, by the way, that 
that the Jewish people would go out of their way to avoid. And he's the one that helped. You see? He's the one that was a good neighbor. You know what the truth of that is? The truth of that is this. That we're instructed and the example was given for us to love not just our kind of people but all people. You know? When you look to your left and you look to your right and the chairs around you, boy, this is what I'd love to see. I'd love to see somebody that, that invited a visitor to sit with their family, you know? I'd love to see somebody have invited some of these youth or kids to sit with them, you know? Surround yourself with people that might be unlike you. Does that make sense to anybody? You know, sometimes we get so called up and and, and us and the things that we want, we forget that there's a whole world out there that needs a little love and needs a little compassion. And if you don't give it to them and I don't give it to them, then who's going to? See? Yeshua even said that we're to love our enemies. And I don't know about you, but boy, I find that hard to swallow. You hear me? I find it hard to swallow and hard to do. It's not even easy to say, much less easy to do. But we're to love our enemies and to pray for those that despitefully use us. And we're to go the extra mile and all those things that he said that demonstrate our love in the world around us. Don't be deceived on this issue of love. Verse 9 says, He who says he's in the light and hates his brother is in darkness even until now. Love people the way Yeshua loved people, that there'd be no cause for stumbling in you. Verse 11, and I'll hush. This is a very simple and a very sobering verse. But he who hates his brother is in darkness, and not only in darkness, but walks in darkness. And he does not know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. There's no place in my life or in your life for the things that would hinder us from loving, particularly the brethren, but all people. Some stumbling blocks many people have. Many, some may have even here this morning on this issue of love. Unforgiveness. Boy, that's a big one, isn't it? Unforgiveness is a big one. Anger, bitterness, whatever it is, whatever those things are that might keep you from being in alignment with Yahweh on the issue of love, I'll tell you to get rid of them today. The Bible says love covers a multitude of sins. And here's exactly what that means. If you and I love someone enough, we can put up with a whole lot from them. Amen? Does that make sense? Listen, folks. Get your life lined up with Yahweh today that you might be spiritually healthy in the way that you should. Yahweh bless you all.